Good morning. Yeah, Andrew. we are. Good morning. Hey, Nastasha, let's get this started here, dear. change that old world we're trying our best a little uh, one person at a time freeing them up see if we can put a little pressure on the powers that always are and uh, see if we can back them into a corner a little bit that's what we do is talk about your freedom how to achieve it and uh, how to maintain it and also pass it on to others that's what we do at the radio ranch roger sales with you of course on the monday edition it's the edition on the last day of the first month of this promises to be one hell of a year uh january uh, 31st is the date stamp 13122 and uh it is of course the radio ranch yours truly and we're broadcasting on the Eurofolk radio network and glad to be here following such illustrious stars and personalities as andrew harrington hitchcock and malithicus uh, first time in my entire life I've ever heard the name Malithicus, but uh, I like it. kind of rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? Nice guy, too, obviously. Well, welcome to Monday, kids, and uh, glad everybody's here. Hope you had a nice weekend. I was just thinking how, you know, you used to look forward to weekends, and it's not that way anymore. It's like I want to stay during the week when all the action's happening and everything's flowing and all this, you know, you're waited with bated breath for the next big news article on what's happening, and you get into Saturdays and Sundays, and it's not quite that way. It's a little bit slow, so uh, anyway, that's a, a little bit of a change. Good morning, you freedom seekers. You, I had no Franks with us, and Nastasha's with us. I'm glad to have you too, and a couple others. And wherever you may be, either live with us here in the Jitsi uh, room or uh, listening either on Eurofolk Radio, and may have somebody from Eurofolk with us this morning or listening later on the Castbox archives. We're certainly glad to have you. Uh, Eli, did you figure out how to maneuver this thing yet? The Eli's like I am. He's a little bit technically challenged. That's what I hear anyway. And uh, it appears that this may be another example of that. Well, Eli, listen, if you can get it, all you got to do is I think you came in through the browser, uh, meet.jit.si. I should give all that information out certainly more often. Maybe I'll give it out here in a second for anybody that might be listening and doesn't know how to do that yet. I don't like giving the number because uh, it, it's a, it, it works most of the time. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you can connect. You can't talk. That's what I hear from different folks. Uh, the fidelity's not as good because obviously it's still patched in through some of the phone lines. And uh, the easiest way, and it's so easy to join us digitally. I mean, really. You just uh, either go to your cell phone and go to your little Play Store and uh, go Jitsi Meet, J-I-T-S-I. J-I-T-S-I, Jitsi, second word, meet, M-E-E-T. Download that little app, put in a little search engine, PPN Studio, no spaces, no nothing, PPN Studio, hit enter, and from then on, you're in. You're in. All you got to do is open up Jitsi Meet, go to that save thing, hit PPN Studio, boom, you're there. 
Okay, that's not difficult. Even the most technologically challenged of us should be able to uh, manipulate that. Uh, the other way is uh, uh, slightly more challenging, but not too. And that is to open up a browser tab if you've got a nice microphone on your computer and uh, type in meet, M-E-E-T, M-E-E-T dot J-I-T dot S-I front slash P-P-N studio. I'll repeat that one more time. Meet, M-E-E-T dot J-I-T dot S-I front slash ppn studio hit enter boom you ought to be right in there with us so either one of those two if you want to if you still insist on doing 20 digits and with those little fingers of yours and stuff on those little buttons you just go ahead and find it you can find it around uh uh, ppnradio.com i think network whatever that website is it's around uh, at, uh, it's not as good as joining us the digital way because we get to hear your resonant pipes so much better. So uh, let's see, outside of it being a kind of a snoozy weekend, uh, we've had, you know, I was really bragging on our weather here the last month or so. It's just been stunning. And uh, that took a turn. I think it turned on Friday, and we've been cloudy, and it's even raining a little bit today. It rained a little over the weekend. Sprinkles, when I say rain, it's like sprinkles. We don't generally get real hard rain, occasionally, but not that often. It's more like a drizzle kind of thing, and you're always... uh, you're always advised to carry an umbrella when you're in Ecuador, especially this time of the year. So we may have uh, be going into our rainy kind of season. That usually happens in the first part of the year or into the spring. So we'll see. Um, but anyway, a little bit of a change. How's everybody doing this morning? All right? Well, I guess are y'all all in the morgue or something? Well, it's the uh, uh, it's the Rod Serling time. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, so let's see. Well, Frank, you were chimed in a minute ago and said you were here. Nastasha is here, I know. And uh, I don't know if we got any other new folks here. Let me just poll and see if there's any new new kind of folks that are kind of with us in the early. Uh, days of their awareness here that might have any questions uh, so I'd love to entertain those I must be a hell of a teacher man nobody's ever got any questions that's good thank you for the accolades uh, okay Frank I guess we'll move over to you you're with us this morning out of Colorado uh, yeah, good morning thank good, you good morning sure glad to have you along bud so we're you know, listening along, and as I mentioned to you last week, I, I'll only log in if I have a question as I continue my learning and research. And w- one of the good things about, you know, I hear the, the groups, I think there's one up in Montana, there's one in California. When, when you have folks together that can meet and go over this stuff, I think that's a good thing. And, um, you know, right now it's my brother and I, we kind of uh, bounce things off of each other. And uh, sometimes if we're in agreement, we don't always get an outside opinion. And, you know, circular agreement is not necessarily a good or bad thing. Where I'm going well, it, it depends on if it's right or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes we are not sure if we're wrong or not. Anyway, I got a chance to speak with Dawn uh, late last week and just getting an outside opinion 
we were drilling down on just some terms and topics and the the point in question right now is the definition of a u.s national versus the definition of a national is there a difference no no there's not this goes back to what i preach there's only two statuses you're either free or you're a slave so instead of going in and looking at all these labels you take whatever you're looking at and you put it against that test right there is this free or is this a slave because you could call it, you know, I can sit here and, and, and rattle off at least five to seven different labels they've got for it. Here, and I'm going to give you a perfect example, okay, of what we're dealing with. There's a guy, are you familiar with a guy named Ralph Winterroot? No. Okay, well, he's been around a long time. He's an IRS kind of specialist guy. He's up in Palmer, Alaska, just north of Anchorage in the, what they call the Matanuska Valley. And, uh. Ralph is one of these guys. I'm not being critical of Ralph. I respect his work and all that stuff. He, we've been on the same path for uh, at least a, a few years, years ago with the regulations. And Ralph is one of these guys, if he doesn't see it written somewhere in a statute or a regulation, then it ain't real to him. Okay? And that's his tunnel vision. All right, and we've got some people, Chuck and others around here, that have a relationship with Ralph that used to listen to. He's on RBN on Sundays, and um, they're trying to get across my information to Ralph. Well, Ralph comes back and says, the word national's not anywhere in the Code of Federal Regulations, Title 26. That's IRS. Okay, and the the reason that I maintain that our community as a whole has made so little success over so many years that I've been in it anyway, 30 years, okay, going on, uh, is because they keep chasing labels just like you did right there, all right? And they don't understand how their enemy thinks and how their enemy does things, and they insist on approaching this and trying to find an answer by thinking the way they've always thought. Okay, now this is classic Sun Tzu. You're familiar with Sun Tzu, Frank? No. No? Wow, okay. We got a good education for you here this morning. Sun Tzu was a very famous Chinese general. He lived about 2,000 or more years ago, back around the time of Christ, I guess. And um, he uh, uh, had a, wrote a book, uh, wrote a number of books. And the most famous is called The Art of War. All right? And every conqueror in the history of the planet has has read Sun Tzu's Art of War book, okay? And what Sun Tzu says is deception, 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 basically. That's why the Mossad's motto is, by way of deception, we shall make war, okay? They use Sun Tzu, all right? And Sun Tzu says, well, if your enemies think you're weak over there, be strong. If he thinks you're strong over there, be weak. If he thinks you this, be that. Everything is opposites, okay? And what Sun Tzu said, in a, and it's a fairly short book if you ever want to put the time into it, uh, but let me just give you the synopsis of it here. He says, uh, if you know yourself but don't know your enemy, you've only got a 50% chance of winning any battle. If you know your enemy, but you don't know yourself, 
you've got a 50% chance of winning any battle. But if you don't know your enemy and you don't know yourself, you got no chance of winning any battle. And that's exactly where they've got us. Okay. And people like Ralph, and I'm like I said, I'm not being detrimental to Ralph. It's his way of approaching things. And that's the way he understands it. And he, you couldn't hardly drag him kicking and screaming right there on page one of the Code of Federal Regulations where it says an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States and residents and to the exception of 871B and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. And he's going to tell you that the word national isn't in the Code of Federal Regulations anywhere. There it is right on the first page, except they don't call it a national. They're smarter than Ralph obviously okay and and anybody that thinks like ralph is never going to beat these guys they may get them an occasional win on a technicality or something like that but he ain't never going to beat them in the big time because there's the national right there on the front page in their jurisdictional statement it's just called something different it's a non-resident alien it's non-resident to the residency of the 14th amendment and alien to the uh to the status with civil rights federal citizenship so that's how they're using it but if you don't think like your enemy or know how they think or know how they work you're going to chase your tail for all these years which is exactly what our community has done so the best thing to do is go back to the conceptual level of this because you can always boil it down to an either or well it's either this one or it's this one doesn't matter what the hell they label it does that make sense yes it does so with respect to this gentleman ralph I, I can identify with that philosophy. I, as I mentioned to you before, sometimes I, it will have to be very literally for me to not only understand it, but accept it. That's just my nature. Uh -huh. it, 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 I, it couldn't be any worse if my name was Thomas and I was from Missouri. Yeah. So it's not that I doubt everything. I just need to know, and it's well, just my engineering nature. Uh -huh. so I understand, and that's what I'm trying to do is get you back and you and everybody else to basics where you can fall back on a foolproof method. Is it either or is it R? Which one is it? Because it can't be any other. So with respect to the actual terms, if I can just drill down a little bit, with respect to national versus U.S. national, what Don and I were talking about is truly the definition with respect to how we want to write back to the State Department to correct the nationality on our passport cards. And it was just more of trying, because of the words U.S. national have the terms U.S., and I understand what U.S. means relative to the the term that it modifies so u.s is the united states nationals national so it's a united states national we were trying to get past that okay. definition and we're hanging our hats on this affidavit which we're all in agreement with it's just a matter of the state department accepting the fact that they realize that in fact the u.s national is a national as well that's where our concern lies okay all right let's go back and look at the term u.s national what what should it be usa national okay what is a national first of all let's go back to that what is a national well, well that if i may because you brought up a great point you said is it usa because on our passports and i know i'm drilling down it does say usa right now we're trying to force the state department to change it to u.s national well, and we were wondering is it better to leave it now, as usa hey, I, I believe it's the same thing okay and i'm going to explain uh, to you why the same. i'm going to USA. yes usa okay. and national are the same okay uh, and the what the reason for that is let's go back before the before the Civil War and the Fourteenth Amendment, okay? 
there was only one political status. See, there wasn't a free, if you were, if you were a slave, you were a black slave or a white slave. There, everybody knew you were, okay? It wasn't any of this hiding stuff here, hiding with Biden, you know? Uh, so before the Civil War, we only had one, and that was a state citizen. And Agreed. The state citizen was by default a national citizen. Because they were the only ones that could be a citizen of the nation, and it had to be prerequisite by the fact that they were state citizens. Okay, So that's where they're getting the label for the term. A national is a state citizen, because a state citizen is and was a national citizen. 100% agreement. Okay. Now, at that point, they did not have a federal citizenship. That was the loophole they drove the 14th Amendment through. Okay. Now, you're only a national citizen if you're a citizen of the United States under the federal government's new federal status, and you're only a state citizen if you reside in the state. So your nationalship is the fact that they give you this new uh, federal citizenship called a citizen of the United States, okay? And, 100% agreement. All right. Well, see, there, there's your differentiation right there, okay? And the state, of course, is only you can't be a national citizen if the state, because if you're residing in a state, you're now a federal citizen. And, but, and that part makes sense i guess it's more of trying to and and with the the revisiting of the history i appreciate that because it reinforces the agreement it's worth respect to real literally the letters that are on the uh passport card or passport with respect to the definitions as the state department defines it now is it better for us to have nationality of usa or is it better for us to have the nationality I, of U.S. nationality. That's what we're trying to learn. Well, I, I think they're both the same. And what? remember, these guys, you guys are expecting them to give you a document with flashing neon signs that said, Frank's different, Frank's different. So Frank can go to town and go, hey, look, mine's different from yours. They ain't going to do that. They're going to hide you as much as they can and with everybody else and make it as indistinguishable and seamless as they possibly can. And that's what they're doing. Okay? USA is the United States of America. U.S. is the United States Federal Corporation. They're totally different. Okay? The reason they've got a U.S. national, or if you see that occasionally, is because there isn't a, U- a national in the federal zone. It can be U.S., it's federal, but it's a national, okay? Or the same thing, a USA, that's the same thing. Or just a regular national, that's the same thing. A state citizen, that's the same thing. A non-resident alien over in Title 26, that's the same thing. Over in Title 8, a quote-unquote someone born in the outlying territories, that's the same thing. That's why you go back to the concepts. You can't go and weave through all those six or seven different labels. But But if we do want the status of U.S. national, if it's the same as a national, the, the, the cover letter that we're working on is to force the State Department's hand to recognize that with the correction form on the passport okay, card that we're working on. You, and if we do that, then... We're, we're literally forcing them to acknowledge the status of U.S. national by basis of our affidavit. Well, you're and forcing them to put your label on there, not the one they're yes. putting on there. 
Correct. But we want to make sure that the label of U.S. national is, in fact, a correct label. Yes, it is. For the status. Okay. Because the, it, it, of, yeah. the only difference, there's only one difference and exception, is if they put a non-citizen national in front of it. As an, as Which an we don't want. Well, you're not. You're not an American Samoan. Hey, Roger. Hey, Gary. Let me... Frank, if you go to travel.state.gov and look at the certificate, the State Department plainly uses U.S. national. So they recognize that status. So anything else, you're splitting hairs. Well, and, and you're, you're correct on that. I've, I've been there, and I guess we were trying to just drill down on the fact that there was the modifier U.S., meaning United States, which is the federal corporation, the modifier U.S. in front of national, that we did not want to change our status to the the fact that we're a national under the U.S. federal system, wait, meaning wait, but it's we're the not same any thing. different than what we are. It's the same thing. There is no national under the federal system. There's only a citizen of the United States. That's their national. Okay. Yeah. They could call it, they could call it uh, rainbows and puppy dogs, and it'd still be the same thing. You're trying to what they're saying, and like Roger said, they're never going to get you to, they're, you're never going to get them to admit anything different and one way you know that for a fact is they said that they would stop sending out certificates of U.S. nationality because the paper and the ink was too expensive. Yes. And interesting, in doing all this, I go back and forth. As I read this, it seems like it takes me back, and I'm going in, you know, in, in a circular repetition. But it all, it all comes back and reinforces to me that I feel like I'm 99% of the way, but it's just these technicalities. And again, that's just my nature as an architect and engineer, that I want to make sure the T's are crossed, I's are dotted. And, the, you know, and I'm, this is why I'm trying to go back to this. It's either this or that. You know, because that makes all this stuff you're going through and trying to analyze simple. Is it a slave or is it free? And I, it, it, I agree with that. And the th whole thing comes back, like I say, with our affidavit. We're hanging our hat on that, which is the basis for us demanding that the State Department change our status on our cards. And that's where we're going. So I, I, with this conversation, I'll go back and re-listen to the podcast again, research it and do it and convince myself that it's... It's it's making more sense as we discuss it. And that's the advantage of when I was talking with Dawn outside of the conversations. I envy those people that have these discussion groups where you can bounce these ideas off of everybody. Right now, as I get to be known or with the people in here, the one conversation with Dawn, my brother Steve, as we talk about this, we're we're trying to make sure that we're not convincing ourselves of something that may be false. That's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think that they put that USA, and I believe that is a national designation because it's not U.S., okay? Well, Again, it's got to be one or the other. And they, if you go back, let me give you an example, Frank. <clears throat> go back to Title 28, Section 1746, that's the jurats. A jurat is a penalty of perjury, okay? And, and in, there, in there, they've got two jurats. One is within and one is without.
and they're both exactly the same jurette with the exception of of America in the without one and only United States in the within one. Now they they're pulling that language from the slaughterhouse cases because that's the first time that I ever remember seeing that phrase within and without utilized and they use it within uh, within the slaughterhouse cases and the decision and they're talking to the French butchers who brought the case and they said, oh, what did you, what'd you get out of here? And they said, uh, uh, for white French butchers, you know, are you familiar with that case? Have we talked about it? Yes, that's one of the ones that I've read through my research in the recent months. Is okay. Oh, it's, you, you, you read the Slaughterhouse cases. Congratulations. That's quite a read, actually. Um, there's an awful lot of very good information in there for the audience may not know. It was the first case brought on the 14th Amendment. It was out of Louisiana. It's a bunch of white French butchers. You know how 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 lacking in hygiene the French are. Is that a good way to put it? You know, they hang meat up for days outside their shop with flies on it and all that kind of stuff, right? And so what they were doing is they were slaughtering their animals and they would take the parts that they didn't use and they'd go throw the guts and the parts in the Mississippi River. And it was getting downstream to New Orleans and it was uh, uh, putrefying their water supply because they get their water supply out of the Mississippi. And so the state of Louisiana under the public health auspices passed a law that said that you had to take your game to be your, 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 your animals to be slaughtered at a public slaughterhouse. And for some of them it was a long you know, carriage ride back and forth. And so they all started filing lawsuits and they lumped them there were so many of them they lumped them together and called them the slaughterhouse cases and it went and they were bringing it to on the under the privileges and immunities clause of the recently passed 14th amendment and went all the way to the supreme court and the supreme court said sorry french butchers your protections are within the state of louisiana and without that of the federal government in other words, they weren't black slaves that had just received a status. The civil, the Supreme Court had no say-so over things that were intrinsically within the state of Louisiana. Come back and bring us the case on some grounds we can decide it on, and we may decide in your favor. You got it? And yes, and in reading that, Again, this is rereading it. That made sense with respect to convincing myself that that is an applicable case uh, to reference for our, our newfound status. And, and again, if I may, uh, drilling back down to the conversation of USA versus U.S. National, our, I, when I first got my passport, it was before the affidavit and it listed USA on it. When I got my passport card, this was with the affidavit, it also listed USA. So I guess my concern is because I have the same title, name, whatever, same three letters as the result of application, yet the difference of one was with the affidavit and the other one was without. That makes me think that the affidavit was not recognized if it has both statuses well you know, but hold on frank a, a passport is issued to u.s citizens of the united states and nationals so you see they've got both on there if you'll look closely at the passport page it'll say u.s citizen and then on the background paper it says usa they have to have both on there because both statuses are issued passports 
Um, that's actually not true because it's it's both U.S. national and U.S. citizen, not national in U.S. citizen. Okay, all right. So just saying. Hey, Roger. Yes. Hey, Bob. Howdy, howdy. Hey, uh, Frank. Good to make your acquaintance. Look up eight USC eleven oh one 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 zero one. A parenthetical A. 21 and 22, that is codified U.S. law, U.S. code, sorry, that says the definition of a national and the definitional, and (laughs) sorry, it will define the difference between a national, which is a citizen of a state, and a national of the U.S., which is not a state citizen, but rather the territorial um, Samoan, et cetera. Okay. 8 U.S.C. 1101 sub A in parentheses and go down and go scroll all the way down. I use Cornell. Cornell's got a really nice site. Cornell Law. Yep, I've been there. That is a good site. Yep. Scroll on down to 21 and 22 and they are contradistinct to each other and they define it. Okay, I'll listen to the podcast and take those those numbers down and do that on my on my break. So I guess the bottom line of this conversation, and Roger, thank you for uh, allowing me the time to make sure of this. If we were to do a demand letter to change our status from USA to U.S. national, in your opinion, that would uh, further codify our correct status, our restatus of the being the as a result of the affidavit being the status of which we want. If we do I that. Think- I think they're the same thing. I, I would be interesting to see how the State Department addresses it. Well, we're working up a demand letter, and it's interesting where, uh, when I was speaking with Dawn, how she had a slightly different take on the demand part of the State Department. But the the letter that I'm putting together, if they do not do what I ask them per the demand letter, then that would be interesting because we're basing the demand on our new status and therefore they have to do it i would think so that's where this is where i'm trying to push the limit on this respect but i need to be comfortable that u.s national is in fact the status that i want on my passport card well you know you can go to the um document that gary mentioned there earlier the certificate of non-citizen nationality under the bottom of the letter it's got the very first sentence out of the nationality act of 1940 now it refers it to another uh, piece of national immigration ina some section of the ina but the statement is a national owes total allegiance to a small s state it doesn't have u.s in there it just says national. Okay. okay. Now, that's right out of the legislation, not only in the Immigration and Naturalization Act, but that is pulled over whole cloth from the Nationality Act of 1940, which is the original in the organic statutes at large of the United States. So that's organic constitutional law. It doesn't identify it as U.S. anything. It says a national owes total allegiance to a small S state. Agreed. Okay. And see here, you know, I think you guys are once again making a mountain out of a molehill here. Honestly, I appreciate your your concern. I appreciate your inquiry, but all those things are the same. Okay. Roger. Yes, Samuel. Uh, Would it work this way um, and make it so clear that it can't be anything else? 
let's say you're a national and you're domiciled in a particular state that puts out the residency and brings in the only thing that you could be as a state citizen. So domiciled, your definition of that means the current lower case S state that you in could, which one lives? You could use domicile because you're not using residence. See, residence got a specific legal term. It's where you receive your benefits and discharge your duties. Okay? So a domicile doesn't have that stigma. Neither does inhabitant. I'm inhabiting uh, uh, in the state of California, Colorado, or whatever. I'm sojourning in the state of Colorado. I'm domiciled in the state of Colorado. All those three things are opposite whatever the term resident is. Well, domicile has a even, uh, I think, stronger legal effect because it's in Genesis. Dominion. It's granted us by the creator of the universe. Okay, the other thing that you guys can do is to FOIA the State Department and FOIA your administrative file and see if they've got your affidavit in there. Because, I'm glad you brought them. because uh, your as it said, uh, passports, passport cards, all those things are not the nexus. They're evidence of it. What you're looking for is is your affidavit on file with the Secretary of State, because really that's all that matters. How long does it take to get the like after you mail it? How long do you think you should wait before asking for the FOIA? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm sure it's going to take them a little while to get it channeled like through. It, well, I mean, it depends on what you're looking at. Are you looking at the one that came in with the passport app, or are you looking at one that came in cold and has got to go to the administrative records department uh, and, and through piles or whatever, you know, okay? Yeah. So there's a little bit of a difference in those two, because if it's sent in with a passport application, it is and should be filed immediately as they process the passport application. Okay. Okay. Totally different mm -hmm. if you send it in cold. And Frank, I mean, all you people that are going through all these hoops and, and, and circles, I'd highly advise everybody to cover both bases. If you have not sent a copy in to the Administrative Records Department at State, I suggest you do that certified return receipt requested. That way you're covered both ways. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Does the fact that it's our instructions are placed firmly and permanently in our file, that that's one thing. And I know this is going to sound facetious, but just by the fact that it's filed in there, does that mean they have to acknowledge and accept it? Because yes, filing is one thing. Yes, it's your, see, they can't. Otherwise, they're tyrants. See, they can't tell you what you are. That's open tyranny. They're correct. I agree, but by the fact that they're, <clears throat> what am I trying to say? <laughs> if if they do, they have to acknowledge it. Is that that's not the same as accepting it? Acknowledging it is by the fact that it's filed. I guess I'm trying to force their hand by acknowledging it by trying to change my status in some sort of proof on a passport card by using the U.S. national. I know I'm going back to that, but to me, that is tacit evidence to me that they're not only filing it, but they're acknowledging it and Frank, accepting it I've, so long as U.S. national is, in fact, that status what? that I want. I, I, I've, with the, a couple of rare <laughs> exceptions, I've never seen them do otherwise, in all honesty. Okay, and I know I'm driving you nuts. Welcome to my brother's world. I drive him nuts on this as I quiz him. <laughs> so. 
it. I got to talk to Eli here. He's, he's keep sending me messages. Skype with me right now. Eli, communicate with Jeff, would you? Because I'm trying to do a radio show here. Yeah, we're texting right now. Okay. Uh, so, uh, okay, Frank, and and I understand people's uh, concerns here, but I I think, uh, well, I, is my experience they do what the hell that they are supposed to do, and it's evidenced by the people like Mike, Daryl, James, and the ones that are out there driving on a passport card to get pulled over, and their experiences, you know. That's evidence that, hey, that, that they're doing the things right. Yeah, is that Bob? Yes, it is. Frank, my my brother's a uh, engineer, and he says if you want to take things, if you, if you want to understand things, take them to the extreme, because it draws a parallel, it draws a contrast. So what you would really like is if you get pulled over, you want the police officer to step out and before he ever says anything, say, "I know you're a national. I'm not going to screw with." Well, put that out of your mind. It's not going to happen. We don't live in that world. What's going to happen is you're going to have to be civil to them, and you're going to have to rely on the fact that your papers are what they are. They, they give you the immunity, if you will, the exception, and deal with it on paper after the fact. The guy on the side of the road doesn't know he's programmed not to know they don't hire people that know that kind of stuff because it's above their pay grade so you take the ticket this is just one for instance you take the ticket and you let the wheels of justice i put in air quotes grind slowly and they're going to throw you out because you're the bone they don't want to swallow absolutely you're entirely correct they're not going to deal with you Yes, I but, agree with you there. To, to think that you're going to get special treatment because you have this gold-colored passport, and I'm using that facetiously, it's not going to happen. Understand. So I, I appreciate you wanting that distinction. God, would we all not want that? But it's not there. It's not even available. you simply got to have faith, and I know that's a tough I, one. Well, see, I, to, to me, the USA designation is national. I, I can't believe you guys don't see that. Well, then we're nationals by default by just by getting a passport and a passport card. No. I think well, if it, it was other USA on both. Well, it, it may be. Okay. I, I don't know, Frank, honestly. Well, I know I, this is what I do know. These guys have gone to unbelievable lengths to obfuscate and confuse these issues so that people can't have one that goes, look, I'm different from yours. Okay. And, and it's well, not by the logic that all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, you're correct. But if you haven't filed the paper that says that you understand the deception, wink, wink, nod, nod, they're not going to assume that you do. They will, in fact, presume that you don't and run over you like a dozer. I mean, well, they, they, so, they also yeah, say that all correct. nationals are not citizens. All non-citizen nationals are not citizens, Samuel. Are you, you sure they say, stated it that way? Okay. okay. It's got to be. They're the only ones that can't be birthright citizens. That's what that whole document is about. 
No, there's a there's a statement in the code there it, it that says that nationals and citizens are the same thing, but not all citizens or not all nationals are citizens. That's correct. They're non-citizen right. nationals so they because it, they, they can't be birthright citizens. They, they have to naturalize to get that's that That's just status. thrown in there to confuse. Uh, well, I mean, I can take you to IRS Publication 519, and it says a right. U.S. national or national owes total, to, uh, total allegiance to the U.S. Which, here it is in the other one. It says a national owes total allegiance to a small S state. Well, which one is it? Well, it's the first, the total allegiance to a small S state. Okay? And what they left off in the IRS publication is U.S. A U.S. national owes total allegiance to the U.S. A non-citizen national owes total allegiance to the U.S. Mm -hmm. So they leave off non-citizen, and they've got that in there to intentionally confuse, just like all this other stuff we're talking about. Deception. And it's worked masterfully. Or oh, are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> Gary, is that you? Uh, yeah. Hey, I wanted to let you know that uh, even Ralph Winterfoot is now saying on his shows on Sundays that uh, the nexus to the system is U.S. citizens. Says if you volunteer well, into he's that halfway stance, home. Okay. And see, yeah. here's here's my complaint he, with Ralph. He wants to he go in there and think like Ralph thinks and come to Ralph conclusions. What about the fact that there's never been one of these things rejected or rebutted in eleven years of of uh, of submitting them to the head guy that's got the ultimate decision? How come in eleven years there's never been one case of any kind of charges brought by the Department of Justice for any falsifying anything? Is that not enough of a track record to people? People like Ralph? Well, some of us learn at different speeds, Roger. You know that as well as I do. Hey, Roger, maybe he's being true to his guns. He found citizen, but he didn't find national. Well, he, <laughs> he needs to realize there's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave. Whatever is well, one is automatically the other. Okay? I, I don't think you got to go to Harvard to come away with that kind of a conclusion. It's either or. Hey Roger, he's even admitting now that uh, he he believes that there, that we were in bankruptcy or are in bankruptcy, but he just can't find the proof of it. <laughs> I guess nobody sent him trafficant speech on the floor of Congress. You know, is another one of these guys that has to see it in black and white exactly as he understands it in some statute or regulation for it to be valid, and that ain't our enemy, and that ain't the way we, they work. Okay. And that is, that is that is having a severe set of blinders on, Mr. Ralph. Go ahead, Gary. What's that Roosevelt quote about conceptions or whatever? Maybe that'll even help Frank. Roger, in the very beginning, you said this, and it always stuck in my mind. The two most dangerous words in our language is citizen and resident. That's true. Hey, Roger, quote that Eleanor Roosevelt quote. I don't remember it. but uh, I'm going to quote it the way I learned it, okay? And that is small minds, talk, small minds talk about people. 
medium minds talk about events, and large minds talk about concepts. And that's the key right there. You need to get this whole concept under your belt. Think about it as a concept. You got to go back to the concepts. I mean, I've been illustrating it the whole time we've been on the air today because everything can be boiled down to an either or. Why is that? Because their whole program's built on dialectics, opposites. It always goes back there because it's always built and the foundation's there. And when you've got two opposites, it makes your decision one hell of a lot more simple than trying to decide around seven or eight different options. You agree with that, Frank? Yes. Okay. That's why I stress concepts. You know, I'll use the example again. I don't know if you got children or not, but if you got a six or seven-year-old, you go out and buy him a puzzle with eight or ten pieces or one with 1,500 pieces, which one's he going to put together the fastest? The easier one. Okay. So, I mean, it just always goes back to this. Our people want to, just like Ralph, I want to see that word national in some sort of a statute telling me that's what it is well they these guys don't work like that sorry they're a little bit smarter than that a little bit trickier a little bit more deceptive hey roger yeah hey this is dave hey hey dave Hey, I've got a question for you. Um, I've, you know, I saw this thing conceptually uh, back in uh, back in August, and as you know, I filed, and I it was just ironclad to me. It made sense. My brother sat down with me and explained everything. And I'm going back through the court cases, the the, the landmark cases, uh, the key cases: Slaughterhouse, Plessy, Ferguson, and Lumpkinark. And in Lumpkinark, the the my question is in the 14th amendment where it states all persons born or naturalized in the united states the term or the united states is a it it has a dual meaning it's it's not only the geographical united states but no it's the corporate entity of the federal right it's the corporate entity because remember up until that point there was no federal citizenship if it meant the whole country it would say the united states of america but what did what did Wong Kamark base his base the case on then well under this 14th amendment that he was born and he didn't understand all of those different differences okay and what happened was, if you if you've read it in the book, there was a uh, there was a big um, PBS show on this. I think you can probably still find it in the web. I can't, the guy that uh, narrated it and did it, and we'd remember his name. You'd recognize him if I can remember his name. Uh, and it was all on what happened in that period of time. And the Chinese were so discriminated against at that point in time, and the only outlet they had was to file court suits. Okay, and so there was thousands, over ten thousand court suits were filed at the district court level by these Chinese on different issues, and the one case that they let go to the Supreme Court was Wong Kim Ark. Okay, now what Wong Kim Ark did was they—it's uh, just like anchor babies, actually, uh, Frank. You know, in a sense, uh, they let 
Wong Kim Ark go up there and John always said that it was so they could enlarge the superstructure from just blacks which the 14th amendment had been primarily uh, 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 noticed and, and understood to apply to and they expanded it to Chinese coolies, Mexican peons, etc, etc okay mm-hmm And, and I read that one as well as part of trying to put this puzzle together. And it seems that the definitions of U.S. specifically prior to the 14th Amendment make sense because the term U.S. took on a different meaning after the 14th Amendment when the corporate federal definition of u.s came about well hold it but before the corporate definition only came into effect in 1871 frank but this was passed in 1868 and it said and subject to the jurisdiction thereof singular so even though it wasn't incorporated it was still a single entity the federal government Correct, because the concept of singular U.S. made sense at that point. And I think the biggest thing that you stressed is the singularity of the U.S. versus the plurality of it as as you've gone. And and once that sinks in, the, the, the general concept makes sense. It really does. Mm-hmm. And I'm... You know, and to answer Dave's question about how was he considered a 14th Amendment citizen, I don't believe Wong Kim Ark's parents were state citizens. They were Chinese. They were immigrants. That's right. That's okay. Right. Yes. And so when he came, they had to follow, he had to follow their political status because they weren't state citizens. They weren't he, citizens he, at all. But he was an anchor baby. Pardon me? But he was an anchor baby. Yeah, an anchor baby, exactly. So all persons born, and there's the where the legal thing persons comes in, no doubt. Okay, he didn't have any access to any state citizenship. Therefore, he, he was born in the country, and he had to have access to the Fourteenth Amendment because there wasn't any other choice. I got you. Is the, is the way I would think it's interpreted, really. Now you, you know. Understand? Well, hold on, hold on, Gary. Go ahead, Gary. The anchor baby thing didn't come about till modern times, guys. That was a change in Congress. It could have been. I'm not sure when that came about, came about per se, but it was applicable back with Long Kim Ark. Yeah, I believe it's in, it was in '68 when they changed it. I'm not positive, but I believe it was. Okay, who else was trying to say something there a second ago? Roger, Dave here. Hello, Dave. Hello. Um, couple things. So, isn't uh, Public Law 94-241, Section 302, I am not a U.S. citizen, but I am a national? Isn't that what that says? I guess. Okay, so there it's in writing for REL. Um, Now, um, I had a couple other points that I was trying to get in earlier. But, but, but um, see, you, if you could put that in front of okay. Ralph, and he'll go over to Title 26 CFR, and he'll go, National isn't in here. And it's right there on the first page. It's just not called a national. It's called a non-resident alien. And he can't equate those two. That's the problem. Hey, Roger. Gary. Colonel Edward Mandel House said that we have, I'm not, don't quote me exactly, but I have his book, 
And uh, he said something like, the system we put in place, they'll never figure it out. And if they do figure it out, we'll deny it. Yeah, plausible deniability is what he said, I think. That, that's not even close to his quote. But that's basically what his quote mm-hmm. meant. I've got Deborah Tavares reading that out of Mel Stamper's book, and it's out of his uh, Philip Drew administrator, I guess. That's what you're talking about, right? No, I actually have Mandel House's book. That's what I'm saying. Philip, to- Drew, Philip Drew administrator. Isn't that the title of it? I don't know. I'd have to go look yeah, at it. It's that's what it is. Three or four years since I've read that book. I found mm-hmm. it in a pawn shop, actually, or a Antique shop. I'm pretty sure the ones he says that figure it out will be highly compensated. I'll only be. You know how I get compensated is when I see these slaving pieces of shit hanging from a tall tree with a short rope. That's my compensation. Well, according to Cliff High, we're going to see some of that over the next couple of years. Yeah, it couldn't happen fast enough for me. Roger? Yes. Yeah. Didn't somebody just recently read on your radio show that the passport card was only for nationals? Well, if they did, they read it wrong. I thought you... I could have swore I heard no, you talking no. about it. Somebody read it in All, some document. Well, a passport card is the same as a passport book. It's just a little different configuration. And they say that passports are only issued to citizens of the United States and nationals. Natasha says it says U.S. nationals. I, I thought it just said nationals. Uh, you know, again, there's only two statuses. You guys get you go chasing all these friggin' rabbits because they change these labels. You're only one or the other. Simple. I mean, it I is. It's simple. You, I don't know if you said my name, but well, I'm I thought not that after those labels, it okay. wasn't me. No, no, no. Whoever said that a minute ago about saying and that's Nastasha. It was not me. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank all you. right. Okay. So yeah, look, was- there's only two statuses. Doesn't matter what they call them. Okay, it matters to you because you can't figure out that which one it is. But there's only two statuses: you're either free or you're a slave, and there are no other statuses. So it's your Dawn, job it's actually, Don, working on this. Okay, with okay, Don. Okay, sorry, sweetie. Your job is to figure out which one of those two the label is. Hey, Roger, Frank, uh, Gary. Hey, thanks for showing up at my meeting tonight and for the interview tomorrow night. Oh, wow. You might announce it tomorrow night. Well, uh, I, I've got some uh, another interview with some big talk show host up there in Flathead County. Kirk is his name and seems like a real nice guy. And it's Tuesday night from <laughs> 7 to 9 Mountain Time, which is going to put me near midnight by the time we get finished. Okay. Look, Roger, you, I've seen your face. You don't need that much beauty sleep. You're beautiful just the way you yeah, are. Right. Okay, so I guess I'll be Monday night. We're going to have a you know tremendous coverage of Flathead County, Montana, which is fantastic, okay, because it's a real Petri dish of a situation up there. And uh, uh, we'll see. I haven't heard from Tom on any uh, appearances over there on RBN. Sometimes he's not real good about setting them up way ahead of time. Uh, so anyway, we'll see how it goes. It's a day-to-day deal. 
Well, I want to thank you publicly for what you're doing, man. Well, I mean, I, I do think we've got the cut. Well, you've gone to a lot of trouble to contact these people and try and set these things up, Gary, and I just feel a real uh, a duty to to uh, follow up and uh, support you, you know, quite frankly. Well, I feel like it's my duty to get this stuff out no matter how i got to do it. And, and I think God even places that duty on us once we become familiar with the information, then if we keep it to ourselves, he's going to judge us on that. If we try to spread the message, then... It puts it on them. It's right in I forty-two, I think. Okay. Well, I think we've kicked that horse. Is there any other questions or comments at all of this stuff we've discussed the first hour? Uh, to that one gentleman that was asking about, didn't he hear last week that uh, only passport cards are issued to nationals? That, that I recall that because I focused in on that. That was the definition on Wikipedia, and I went to it, and it does, in fact, have those words there. But the subsequent conversations after that, I think we said that that was not necessarily the case. So just to close the loop for that one gentleman that asked that. Well, I mean, Wikipedia can notoriously corrupt and, and wrong in some cases. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Roger, thank Roger, you for your time on this. Okay, there. Frank. Do what? Now, who's trying so to say nobody something? nobody believes it. That's why it's in Wikipedia. Well, probably right, Dave. I mean, it's just an absurd statement. Because, you know, very, very, very small percentage of people are nationals. Most people are under the presumption law that they're citizens of the United States. You don't tell them otherwise, the presumption rolls on. Anybody look up the definition of passport card, the legal definition? Nope. Might be surprising. Who knows? Hello, Roger. This is Mark the Spark. Hey, Mark. Are you calling from Philadelphia, Mark, or Oklahoma, Mark? Phil no, Philadelphia. Okay, this is Philadelphia, Mark. Philly, Mark. Okay. Hey, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, originally the uh, Ozark Mountain Daredevil. I'm from the Ozarks. Okay. Originally. Good deal. Uh, anyway, I, I want to. I, I tapped in a little bit late, and I want to speak to this about uh, what I very much appreciate about you is that you've simplified this. You're either free or you're a slave. Now, I've tried to talk to Roger to try to help help him help me simplify things, and he just he it, it's difficult. But but I get it, I really do, and I'm speaking to everybody here. This has to do with trauma, okay? The drama, trauma, and tragedies that I've witnessed and seen or heard about. I'm damn tired of it. And I want to see these sons of bitches hang like you, you do, Roger. You boy, I couldn't. It couldn't happen quick enough, or enough of them get hung for me. Now, I have I have some personal experiences I shared with you before about uh, drama, trauma, and tragedy. And uh, this is what I, I get: uh, these devils and their minions have sought to cut us off from the neck down and put us in our intellect. Okay. Versus us being in our mind, by the way, the mind is in every cell of our body. It's incredible. But the intellect, the intellect is a, it's a, it's can be a good servant, but it's a terrible master. Mm. But they, they have sought to cut us off from our feeling level experience where our, with our feet in the ground, where we can touch base with 
God, whatever God is to any of you, and grand intelligence, Mother Nature, love, compassion, inspiration. They have sought to cut us off, and they have many cut their cut them off from their feeling level experience because they do this because the intellect is a perfect a perfect lab for them to experiment on us with their hegelian dialectic now with with uh, ralph and with others they they have they've been through a lot of dramas and traumas and some of them tragedies and that has stayed with them so they kind of have, and they can't detach from it because they're still carrying the trauma in their whole being, okay? And by the way, the devil and the, their minions, they love this. They laugh about it. They get a, they get a big kick out yep. of our suffering. Yep. And, and this is, this, I, it, really, I really, it really stirs me deep. So we have to have compassion for, the, for our fellow man and women, our countrymen. Because they've been put through hell, and they're still, they're kind of stuck in it. Now, get this: just like guys who go to war, okay, they come back, and they have the drama, trauma, and tragedies on the front line. Well, folks, we are currently at war. From what I understand about our government, we are actually in a state of emergency, along with the bankruptcy, and 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 the devil and their and his minions just love this. They love to keep us in a state of imbalance and stress and, and all of that. So it's difficult for a person who's been through the drama and trauma and experience, and witnessing tragedy or experiencing it themselves. It's hard for them to step out of it. It's like they're stuck in the in this Stockholm syndrome. And that's what it is. It becomes in, kind of partially ingrained in their body, and, and to a point, they have a vested interest in staying stuck. And it's hard to get them out of that because they they haven't yet healed from it, and that's a that's the long process. Uh, I'm I'm 61 years old, and I had drama, trauma, and tragedy in my childhood. Then I re-experienced it in my adoptive family, and just in the last year, I started to reintegrate deep within my soul and my body and reclaiming my body. And, and it's not a coincidence that I j just learning about you, Roger, and, and the work, the great work that you've done. And I love it that it's simple and direct slave or free slave or free. And I, yet I'm telling you, know, it just makes home so much sense to me, but, but folks, it's easy to get caught up in the Hegelian dialectic of complexity and all that magic, that bullshit magic, excuse my French, and, and all the drama. Oh, they just love it. They love to see us chasing our tails and, and suffering. They, they, they really get off on that stuff. Let me give I, you a I perfect mean, example, Mark. Uh, in 2008, when they started going in and foreclosing on all those houses, they'd load everybody up with. And Lloyd Blankfein, who was then the head of Goldman Sachs, got up publicly and said, somebody asked him about it, and he said, we're doing God's work. And in all the newspapers, it was capital G. Lloyd Blankfein knows exactly which God's work he's doing. And they sit there, and you're right, laugh there. Oh, look at the stupid goyim. <laughs> They laugh their asses off, folks, and all they're doing is this little simple trick called equivocation and switching you from one to the other. So, and on that, yeah. 
Yes. Mark, Go I ahead. don't know how long you've been listening, but... Not long. He's relatively new, his, Bob. Yeah. Have you heard the story about Pavlov's dog in its entirety? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, hear the bell and okay hear the well, there's, there's probably some so others. Let me give you the short version. Okay, go ahead, and Bob. I'm going to draw a common, a con, sorry, an analogy from our present day. The dog story, everybody knows, and I, and I told everybody, whenever you hear somebody say everybody knows, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, let me start over. Almost everybody knows the story about Pavlov's dog. You, you ring the bell, you offer him food, he salivates. Sooner or later, he associates the ringing of the bell with food, and he salivates in the absence of food. That's where the story ends to most people. And Roger says that Doc, uh, General Benton Parton, if you don't know his name, look it up. He was big time in uh, military research and uh, munitions and was a key individual in the Oklahoma bombing as far as debunking it. At any rate, the second part of the story is they put the dog in a room, has a light, and it has a bench on the wall. Same room. And when they put the, when they start flashing the light, they would beat the dog, and his only way out was to get under the bench, and they would stop. And they would leave the room, and they did this repeatedly until he associated getting a beating with the light and they would flash the light and he would scoot under the bench so now the question is the third part what happens when you introduce both stimuli the bell and the light simultaneously what happens mark drives the dog crazy i don't know man that's happens? pretty that's pretty You're accurate very close you're very close. Of course, most people will say he does both. He, he salivates and he jumps under the bench. No. He goes into a catatonic state, even though he's a dog. I don't know how that works. Anyway, he goes into a catatonic state, and he just stands in the middle of the room and shakes because he's getting too overwhelmingly powerful stimuli to do something entirely different. That's us. We're that. We're sitting here seeing the, the election stolen in real time and being told by the talking heads that it's not. We're, we're seeing our dollar worth zip and told that inflation's good for us, you dumb son of a blank. Anyway, he says to uh, Peter Ducey, you know, we get all of this conflicting stimuli, and we, collectively, I'm not including myself necessarily or you, but we as a society, we stand in the middle of the room and shake because we don't know what to do. We can see they're lying to us. We know it's not like they say it is, but we don't know what's real. And we are that dog. We and, are standing in the room, middle of the room, shaking, unsure what to do. And there's the separation. The, uh, by Could I add, world. Bob, as a, just a comment, there's the separation between your subconscious and your conscious mind not working together, too. Because they're working yes. on different things. And that's yes, why and you're unempowered and not working, functioning totally in reality is because your subconscious and your conscious mind are working opposite each other. Roger? Yes. Um, Nastasha, I just wanted to say that, which I'm sure most of the people here know, is that the people making the decisions in England or Britain in regards to these past two years, they all were psychological, social, 
educated individuals to where they publicly came out and stated that it's been a social experiment. It's been a psychological experiment. It's, it, they admitted it had nothing to do with health. Right. And so it falls right into this conversation because um, they, were, they were administrating, still are, because the majority of the people are choosing not to not comply. They're so excited that, quote, these mandates are going to end. Well, if they decide that it's going to end, they're going to decide when it's going to start again. So, but anyway, there was, a, I think they were called SAGE, S-A-G-E. And that whole committee, you know, stated publicly, they're the ones making these decisions and it's all a social experiment. I remember General Parton's comment, Nastasha, and he said, when we were studying Freud, they were studying Pavlov. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I remember also hearing, it was actually on RBN on some show years ago, some guys that were experts in condition response. And they made a very interesting statement. They said the more conditions that are applied, the deeper the response takes effect. In other words, the deeper the conditioning takes effect, the more stimulus they give you from different angles. So uh, they're spinning in the rabbit hole right there. Yeah. The the other thing that um, I think going along that line with what some people have brought up, I don't know how many people have read Tragedy and Hope, which you mentioned in your book at the very end. And I read that book all the way through every single page, the end of the 80s, the first of the 90s. And that book is, it's so fundamental uh-huh. in, in understanding the history of what these bastards have been doing and with Cecil Rhodes. Um, and what was really fascinating to me, because I listened to Reiner Fulmax. Um, you know, like he'll have two, three hour interviews and the most recent one is a gentleman who brought up tragedy and hope and brought in the whole historical construct of what's happening today as a result of, um, these individuals. And he brought in the bank of London and how, Control was based around, their perception is control is based around the, um, the Ukraine and, um, you know, and three regions really fighting against each other. But it's a really worthwhile book to read. It, it will take a lot of patience. I think Frank would love it um, <laughs> because it's so detailed and it's a history that, Carol Quigley from Georgetown University felt like it needed to be written, and he was given access to the records for two years. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to his bring that up uh, his I think big it's applicable. his big complaint with them is he didn't think it should be secret. He thought it should be public. Exactly, he felt like they achieved their goals, and he and that's where the whole title comes into play because he he approved of what they did. So it was very significant when Bill Clinton came out and said that Carol Quigley was his mentor. 
I'm trying to think, and the name escapes me, and I, I'm kind of aggravated myself, that was the guy that was Cecil Rhodes's professor at Oxford. His name is John, I want to say Rarick, and I don't think that's... Ruskin. That, I think Ruskin. Rus, Ruskin, Ruskin. 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 Now, do you know that John Ruskin and... Um, the guy that wrote Alice in Wonderland were great friends. Yes. And that Ruskin used to go over once a week and teach his daughters water coloring. I used to, I read this in Wikipedia years ago when I was researching the book. And uh, it was, uh, you can see all of this tied in all the way back then. And the production of the world's most famous children's story where they start conditioning your subconscious at whatever tender young age you get exposed to that not understanding there's a a line at the towards the end that's been popping into my mind lately i heard somebody mention it i'd forgotten about it but it's when the red queen at the end and there's a their comment she says verdict first sentence later no sentence sentence now verdict later okay that's what we need to do sentence now verdict later Yep, hang the bastards. <laughs> Amen. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the only thing they understand. I mean, it really is. They don't understand anything else in this world because they'll take advantage of everything else. Any type of compassion you show them, they will shove it right up your ass, and they need to be taught a lesson this time. The reason we're dealing with this is because they were never taught a lesson all the previous times because of compassion. Like the king of king of Poland inviting all of Europe's Jews to Poland. Holy smokes, look what happened there. They're still under the yoke of that. Okay. So who was trying to say something there a second ago? Well, Roger, I... Hey, Harv. Hey, bud. Hey. How's that, my boy? All right. Okay, good. Uh, well, you know, back in 96... Uh, I launched my campaign for a dictator. You'll recall that it all stemmed from an email between you and me. And uh, how most people realize that uh, I was not successful in getting elected. But hope springs eternal. And I'm going to uh, soon make a public announcement about my new campaign. 2024 running for dictator and we will bring all these miscreants to the bar and to the scaffold uh, just as quickly as we can process them and uh, so people should be investing right now in uh, in companies that manufacture uh, scaffolds uh, single and multi-part scaffold, multi-place scaffolds. And uh, I think it'll be well received this time because as one of my friends uh, said to me, uh, said, Harvey, they're never going to vote for a dictator. <laughs> I said, Ellie, they just did. <laughs> 80, and 81 million the of them. <laughs> yeah. No. And he said, well, nobody will vote for you. I said, well, Nobody voted for him either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, hell, I don't see the, where, where there's a handicap. Uh, so I'm going to have fun with this, and I'm going to start issuing position papers, and, uh, and I'm going to enjoy myself 
uh, while I campaign. I've got I got a little while to work on it now. I just thought you'd want to know. Okay, well, thanks for informing us, Harvey. Hello, Harvey. Yeah, verily. Hey, Harvey. Yes, hey, hey. Yeah, this is Bob. You need to uh, be co- be less cogent, less coherent. Oh, <laughs> work for the other guy. You need to throw you need to throw in a little blather every now and then, and just toss out some unintelligible word and act well, like everybody's an idiot if they didn't catch it. Well, here's here's the big problem I've got. Uh, I'm working to correct it now. Just it's really hard, but. I'm, I'm digging a basement for the house. I got to run from the basement. That's the model that seems to work. So, man, it is. You're, I got red clay you? tracked all through the house. Are Life you, is difficult, Harvey. Are you, you know, are you pooping in your pants yet, Harvey? That may be a prerequisite. No, I've got a I've got a stock of depends. Okay, just uh, <laughs> just in case. Know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I'm, look, I'm, I'm ready to roll and I've been practicing drooling. Uh, so, uh, you know, I sit around and read a book and just drool on my chest. And, okay. Uh, well, that's good. Practice. I think I'm ready for the roll. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good practice. You need a couple of Jew handlers though. You better go out and find some of them. Oh yeah, let's see. Well, Ossoff, Ossoff may be a good one. Oh boy, <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking about that. Creep you know, that early this morning, I was uh, I was talking to my good friend Dave Rich there in Atlanta a while back, and he's uh, he's a very interesting fellow. We're good friends, been friends for a long time. Don't talk all that much, but I was asking him, did Dave, how in the world did they turn Georgia? from you know the good old southern red-blooded georgia conservative into this wishy-washy crap that they've got now and you know what he told me how they did it Hmm. i'm I'm all ears they passed a law with tax credits where you could get awarded tax credits they'd like give the tax credits to all the movie companies if they moved into georgia and started doing production and then yeah. they could turn around and secondarily like uh, negotiate them onto other people and sell them so they would get the tax credits and turn around and sell them to corporations and that allowed them to get all of those different influences in georgia no joke and that no. is very interesting i would have never thought that okay well, the the uh, the termite has been uh, destroying our culture from within. Has always been the public school, the government control. I mean, who in his right mind would send his children to the government to be educated? In other words, the government's raising your children, and you're surprised when they get to be thirteen, fourteen, fifteen that they're a bit rebellious. <laughs> well, look, uh, you got a bright future ahead of you. Yeah, go ahead. Send them to the government to be raised and then try to tell them that they're your children. Well, um, it's just like that story we told on Friday for the people that weren't familiar with it, with the uh, the word core man 
and what yeah. Brent and I came up to. And, you know, all the way back in Jesus's time, they were corrupting the youth and turning them to where they would go inside the house and tell them what valuables the parents had in there that were supposed to be sold for their uh, uh, later lives and, 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 and all the things that they needed. Instead, they de- declare it Corban once they knew it was valuable and in the house, and they'd go snatch it for the temple. Yeah. Same thing, corrupting the youth. The whole thing revolved around corrupting the youth. Well, I didn't know that full story until I heard uh, oh, none of us did. Brent talking about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew about Corban, but I didn't know that about Corban. So, Har- Harvey? Uh, yes, sir? All these evil things they've done, including education, first they had to have control of the money so that they could bribe their way into all this crap that they've done. Well, uh, it's, it, it's all, it's all going hand in glove. But remember we started, uh, government schooling here in the United States prior to the so-called civil war. You know, uh, Davy Crockett, the Alamo hero, one of the Alamo heroes, and, uh, and was uh, he was from Tennessee, and he was a congressman, and <clears throat> and he once came out of uh, Congress and was standing on the steps with friend and a mule wagon. Uh, was headed in a mule-drawn wagon, was headed in a northerly direction. And he said, my, my, look at all those school teachers heading for Massachusetts. Uh, that was his, of course, Massachusetts is where the, uh, the government education started in this country, and it was all started on a lie. And uh if you re- if if you want to know the history of government education and particularly government education in the United States, then you need to read John Taylor Gatto's writings, mm-hmm. and he was he was the most wonderful, uh, humble, but uh, he was a he was he was fantastic. He he, he, he taught come school. Out of West Virginia. I don't know where he was born. But he taught. It wouldn't surprise me. He he taught school in New York City, and he was teacher of the year in New York City, and then teacher of the year for the state of New York. And he was a rebel. He didn't teach his students like other people allegedly taught their students. He turned them loose to do original work. In fact, in one case, one of his students got on a bus and rode down to Washington to study uh, some governmental question herself and came back and wrote a paper on it. It was, but... My, my, my understanding, Harvey, is that he grew yeah. up in such a backwater little place in West Virginia that that school system didn't get to him. But he said that by the time he was like in eighth grade, they were reading the classics in Latin. And he wanted always to be a teacher. And he thought, wow, the big time I get to go to New York, right? I'll really be able to educate. And he got there and he was like, oh, my God, what have they done? Yeah. 
Well, that sounds like a, uh, a genuine story from him, but I didn't talk to him all that long and I hadn't heard all of that elsewhere, but he and I both spoke at a conference in Atlanta once upon a time. And I was speaking about the jury, but we got along famously. I love the guy. He was, uh, he was really and truly an inspiration, not just to me, but to uh, all the thousands of children that he came in contact with in his teaching days. And then when he wrote his books, he really set it in concrete. I mean, it was or chiseled it in stone. It's now there for the ages. Uh, the whole thing uh, got started in Massachusetts based on a, uh, on a box load of lies. Uh, who was it? Was it man? Was he the first one that brought it in? Uh, and anyway, he was married. The fellow that brought it in had gone to Germany to study government schools and uh, he was married into uh, a very wealthy Massachusetts family and when he came back he had all these stories about the glorious educational system in Massachusetts and then it turns out someone later investigated his claims and during the period of his visit to Germany, which was then Prussia, uh, uh, he, uh, he actually didn't see any of these delightful uh, scenes that he described in his writings and speeches because the schools were closed. The, the schools closed so the children could go back to work on the farms for harvest. And uh, so he never saw a German classroom in session, but he, he had very vivid descriptions of the classes he witnessed. So it all started off with a lie, and today it's a lie. And when I'm elected dictator, all government schools will be closed. Uh, that was Horace Mann. Horace Mann, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Brent. Uh, so uh, we can't be any worse off. You know, hey, Harvey. Yeah. The uh, distinction that I'd like to make sure everybody has is to understand the difference between public schools and government schools. All right. Because go. public schools predated government schools by quite some time, decades, if not more. Yep. And the difference was that they were benevolently administered by altruistic, philanthropic people of the Christian faith, predominantly, if not exclusively, because they wanted to see the country thrive. They had the means, and they looked upon the poor people as their burden. Hey, guess what? I think Christ's brother mentioned that. <laughs> True religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans and the uh, downtrodden. Anyway, the public schools were not a bad thing, necessarily. But it was kind of this evolutionary step, if you will, that morphed into, okay, well, now we have to administer these schools. And then, of course, in what was it, 76, that Carter gets the idea that, well, of course, he didn't have an original idea. But anyway, 
um, he was the pawn in place at the point in time when we decided we all needed to have a Department of Education, and it's been downhill in a spiral, escalating speed ever since. I saw a good cartoon <laughs> de depiction of uh, of uh, what we're talking about here just a couple of a couple of days ago. I took a picture of the cartoon and sent it to my wife and the girls. It's a picture of a, I assume it's not Charles Schultz, but it's a Peanuts comic. And Linus has turned back, whispering to Lucy behind him, and she's leaning forward attentively while the teacher blathers on. And he says, the government's not going to teach you what you need to know to overthrow it. That's true. <laughs> well, that is exactly right. The purpose, I've got a, a good quote in my collection mm -hmm. that the purpose of of government schooling is never to challenge uh, or to teach children to challenge government. Um, here's the thing. What's our whole concept of family and children is out of sorts. And uh, number one, uh, my sister-in-law who gave birth to 15 children told me very emphatically years ago, that nowhere in the Bible does God describe children as anything but a blessing. And we don't seem to understand that today, and we haven't for a long time. Children are seen as a burden, an economic burden, and they shouldn't be. If they're an economic burden, that generally means uh, that you're trying to live too high on the hog. And I remember years back, like 20 years ago, uh, my pastor preaching a sermon in which he said, if any of you parents are working two jobs and living in a nice house, so, that you, you know, but working two jobs so you can pay for that nice house, you need to sell that nice house, get yourself a double wide, bring the children home to attend either homeschool or a Christian school. But even that, the parents need to be the first, the primary educators of the children, and secondarily, the church. And the government has no role to play in it whatsoever. But, but today, everyone just assumes that the children are going, everyone, you know, nearly everyone, uh, that the children are going to, get to a certain age and then they're going to start going to school, attending school. Oh boy, it's going to be, oh, you're going to be a big boy now. You're going to be able to go to school. Yeah. And be bored all day. It's like, so parents consign their children to, to institutions called public schools and the children return the favor and consign their parents to institutions called nursing homes. And people with children... You know, the yep, go ahead. Well, the idea that we have looked upon children as a burden, it is so true and it is enforced, you know, by the news, by the media, by common culture, you know. I mean, you just can't afford to have that many kids. Um, okay, that's backwards. And they're... You know, what else do we have backwards? Do you realize that 
okay, let's just go with the song Rainy Days and Mondays Always Get Me Down. Uh-huh. Rain, in the normal context, we look at rain as a burden. Yeah, yeah, Anytime yeah. beyond beyond the flood, which it was a benefit in some ways, but beyond the flood, the allegation, the allegory, the 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 word picture of rain in prophecy and such was always a blessing. Yeah, because you had to have crops. Yeah, but we twist rain. it around and say rainy days and Mondays get me down. Oh, are you having a rainy day blues? Yeah, yeah, we exactly. have it so backwards. So yeah, backwards. because you're, you're you're looking at an urban society that doesn't understand urban. the importance. She said, oh, well, that's all right. I've got an irrigation system. We don't need rain. Yeah. <laughs> I've got... May I ask a I, question? Yeah. 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 I, I hate to uh, interrupt, but uh, I've raised my son. We've homeschooled my son. My son does not have a Social Security number. Uh, I've done everything to protect my family. The problem I'm having now is that we go to file for our passport. And the issue is he does not have a state-given ID. Uh, the only thing he has is a birth certificate. I've applied for a passport. That'll do. I have That'll put do. in the passport that neither of us, uh, his parents, are U.S. citizens. I put non-U.S. citizen for both of us. I did not mm-hmm. know about the affidavit, have not included the affidavit in the application. Well, the first letter that came back said, we can't identify who you are, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you didn't, we didn't get a Social Security number. So he signed, a, signed that under penalty that he's never had one. We sent all that back in, and now they've sent back again. We still can't prove that you are anybody. Okay, so they sent a DS-11. Yeah, DS-11 has all this other additional information, you know, and I'm willing to send that back, and I'm trying to put an affidavit together uh, to send with it. Okay, I'm going to give right. you a tip. I'll, I'll, first of all, let me find out, who, who are we speaking with? My name is Brian. Hey, Brian. Okay. Where, what part of the country are you in? Ohio. Okay. Um, you can take your child and go draft up the affidavit, first of all. You've got the birth certificate, you said, right? Okay, go yes, to the. How old is uh, how old's the child? He's he's going to turn. He just turned nineteen. Okay, fantastic. Does he have a driver's license? Probably not, right? No, sir. Okay, we'll go nope. to the state driver's license division and take your birth certificate and the affidavit in there, and go and try and see if you can get him issued a state-issued ID from the state of Ohio, give them the affidavit, and that will be on file with the issued ID. Now you've got a picture ID that's state-issued. That should should clarify that requirement, okay? Well... They're telling me that they will not issue one unless he has a Social Security number. The the state won't issue you a, a an ID That's or the passport. I've been told that uh, they won't issue well, a state ID. Well, okay. Well, let's go back and take a step back. The a Social Security number is not a nexus to the system. That's okay. that's patriot misinformation. Okay, 
That's people looking okay. and trying to connect dots. The nexus to the system is you being assigned a political status at birth of where according to where you're born. And what represents that nexus is the birth certificate you've got a copy of already. Okay, So the Social Security number will not do anything negative or it'd be positive, really, because most people will need them for jobs or whatever down the line. It's difficult to operate without one. It's probably not impossible, but you're going to have to fight that battle constantly. And again, it's not the nexus to the system. It doesn't give them any jurisdiction over you. It just gives them a way to track you. Let me throw okay. something in, if I may, Roger. Yeah. Uh, so, now, let me, let me hold ask on, hold, hold question, on, Harvey. Please. Hold on. Yes, that's okay, uh, Brian. That's what, hey, Brian, that's what we're here for. Okay. So, if he file, yes, sir. If he goes to the Social Security Administration and should he, on the SS5, he should put other instead of U.S. citizen, correct? Yeah, that's what I'd do, put other. Because, you know, anybody in the world can contract with Social Security. Okay. Brian, I was no, just looking. I'm in Ohio yeah. also, and I was just looking at Ohio BMV, and it has on there Social Security number, if ever assigned, but you also have to prove residency. Yeah. Oh, they want you to prove residency, Lisa? It says Ohio residency. Okay. Legal presence, Social Security number, if ever assigned, date of birth, and full legal name. Okay. Is what you must provide. Well, let's let's go under the auspices that re residency is a rebuttable presumption, and go in there and try and see if you can get a state issued ID, picture ID, and give them your affidavit. Okay, and your affidavit will maybe not overtly say you're not a resident, but it does inadvertently and they'll probably still accept it be my guess all right roger let me uh throw See, in a couple of See, I, don't, I don't i don't you know once again this whole the whole thing revolves around this term residency and i don't believe they can require you to be a resident under the 14th amendment to get a state issued id that doesn't sound right to me roger it seems to me that the dmv quote-unquote requirement for residency that's a geographical thing, even if we think it isn't. Could be. Remember my little Yes, I do. At first they said, well, maybe you're not lawfully or legally present. Well, they sent me my corrected driver license about a week later anyway. And don't forget, in the, I guarantee you, Brian, in the Ohio Code of uh, State Codes, under the section that deals with residency, especially with driving revolving around this stuff, there'll be one sentence in there that says the term resident is a rebuttable presumption. All right. Now, I've, I've got some experience with this stuff here. Uh, first of all, my brother uh, never had Social Security numbers assigned to his children. And... Uh, at one point, yeah, it was for passports. They were going to travel over to East Europe, uh, and uh, and he needed a passport. He said they fought him and fought him and fought him for one of his daughters. And he, he just, when I was telling him about my, uh, my struggles with the 
uh, passport application. He just, I could hear him on the phone. His eyes were rolling. And he said, yeah, I've been there. He said, you know, when I took Rebecca, blah, blah. And so uh, they rejected my first application for a for the passport as a U.S. national. And even though I sent them uh, my expired U.S. passport and what was the other, some other document, uh, a government document, but even though I sent them those things, they said I didn't have enough information to support an application for, uh, uh, for the passport the issuance of a passport. And uh, I said, isn't that funny? A former uh, expired passport is not evidence enough to issue a new passport. So uh, I sent them uh, a mountain of things, including photographs of myself from the age of one uh, up until present day, one after another after another. All in all, I sent them 40 documents uh all uh, sworn to under an affidavit that cover them all but i included in there affidavits from about i don't know eight ten family members or friends who've known me since uh since the time that george washington got out of boot camp and they uh they returned all my papers and they issued me the passport, except for those affidavits certifying that the man in the photograph above is Harvey George Weishon. Uh, they didn't. Re- they didn't return those. They did not. They kept those affidavits. Um, so, Brian, I want I want to just yeah. mention something else. You said that you put in there your the parents were not citizens of the United States. That'd be you and mom, right? Yep. Okay. His application. Okay. Have you previously had any kind of a declaration on file with the Secretary of State that you were otherwise? Me? Uh huh. Or I your wife? For that, I filed for a. I filed for a passport probably four or five years ago. Right. And I put no on my parents. Okay. Well, that, that doesn't matter. That well, it didn't matter what you filed. It matters what's in the possession of the secretary. So the the reason I believe they've got that in there is because of we're dealing with a silent contract here. And everybody since March the 9th of 1933 has been presumed to be in that status. And as you had children, they were in, born into the same status. So I do know this. You do not want to lie on on any of those forms. Now I'm not I know I've heard other people that have put no to those questions, but the technicality is the way I understand it. If you don't specifically have some sort of a declaration or an affidavit on file with the Secretary of State, then you are presumed to be a citizen of the United States because you've got birth certificates okay. and your parents were both in that condition unless they opted out too. So I think that's the reason that they've got those questions questions in there uh or one of them anyway uh so that people will say yes my parents were citizens of the united states and they don't include an affidavit so now the presumption runs well they were so you are you didn't tell us otherwise so you are okay you got are you following me there 
Yeah, I, I, I believe I'm following what you're saying. Okay. You're saying that even though I said they were, Ryan? you're saying that they were. Yeah, well, there's no harm, no foul. You know, just what you don't want to do with these guys is lie. And I try and get nobody right. to, to enter and expose themselves in any way for something like that. Now, the reason I say that is, get to you in a second, Bob. When I first started doing this, we had a situation of a guy down in Florida who was a retired Army guy and made the headlines. I saw it in the news is how we found out about it. And he was petitioning whoever the, I think it was Nelson, uh, Senator Nelson or something, who was the senator from Florida to try and get him out of jail because he'd been in jail for four or six months for passport fraud. Okay. And he was a retired army guy. He'd, been, he'd worked down at Guantanamo. All right. And what happened was earlier in life, he had applied for a passport and he didn't sign it and somehow send it in. I don't know how he did it. Okay. But that happened and that was the prerequisite. Later on in life, when he went to apply for a passport again, there's a question on there Have you ever applied for a passport previously? And he answered no. And because he had sent in something unsigned, they came and arrested his butt, and he'd been in federal prison for like four or five months already. Had to write a senator to try and get him out. So they take lying and passport fraud real seriously. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention was on this Social Security number. They didn't used to have a requirement of the Social Security number. When I got mine in 2007, I didn't put a Social Security number in there. And the guy at the post office, as he was putting that package together to send it expedited, okay, and they send it overnight up to D.C. or wherever the passport processing thing is, and he looked at me said they won't send you this they won't give you one without a social security number and i said you watch them okay and i got my passport now that law officially changed about four years ago i think it was when obama was in four or five years ago and the reason they changed it they passed legislation that you have to have a social security number now because they go in and they check two things do you have any irs (laughs) in arrears, in collections, over $50,000. If so, they not only will not issue you a passport, if you've got an existing one, they can revoke it. Okay. The other thing is, and I ran into this situation with a guy down here in, in Ecuador who was had an expired passport, and he was trying to get one, and the embassy said, we'll give you one, but it's only one way, because he had fathered several children, and he'd run out on child support. So either arrears and taxes in collections, I think that's important. It's got to be in collections, okay, the end of the process, or you've got child support in arrears, and those are the two things that they use to run the Social Security number to see okay okay well as far as the the questions that came back this is just what i had thought to do it says they want these things that are over five years old well he didn't have a military id he didn't serve in the military you know, he was 13 <laughs> right didn't have a driver's license didn't have so it's an impossibility to provide right. things that are over five okay years well old. then you you type those things out so, put it in an affidavit form and answer them that way well, that's what I was planning hey, on doing. Yeah. Brian, this is Bob. Um, anecdotally, because, you know, time has passed and we're not in the same state. I'm in Florida. My daughter was born in Kansas, but in 2016, she has a minor at that time. I, as her 
father, not her parent, that's a legal term you want to avoid, as her father, I applied for her passport, and she has no social security number. She did have, does have, a, a uh, birth certificate, and it was sent in at the same time mine was, and I had a heck of a lot more trouble than she did. She basically got hers unscathed with no bluff letter or anything else, and they gave me a bluff letter, and then after I answered that, about two weeks, three weeks later, I got a call from the State Department, and they were trying to figure out if I was really going to press the issue, and I said, yeah. And what it came down to was she kept saying, well, you know, we only issue them to citizens. And I said, uh, okay, my my dagger to the heart finally was this. We'd gone around and around for about five minutes, and we were getting nowhere. And I said, okay, now here's what I need to understand. Is my affidavit in my file? She said, yes, it is. I said, I don't care what you call me then. Send me the passport yep. because... I am a U.S. national. I am a national of the United States. I'm a state citizen. I'm a whatever. I don't care how you want to term it. Just send me the damn thing, and let's quit going around and around because I know what I am, and you know what I am, and you can equivocate all you want. Just send me the paper. And about a month and a half later, I finally got mine. But to your point, my daughter had no driver's license, uh, no state ID. All she had was my affidavit as her father and her birth you, certificate. You sent in an aff I sent it in for her. You sent an affidavit of your own? I did my own. Or did you just sign the application? No, was, he, these are two separate. He did his and hers, and he did them both, Brian. My affidavit right. was for when, me. When he says... It was... You did an affidavit for her. Bob, let Brian let Brian get his question out. Go ahead, Brian. He's talking about a naked one. You said you did an affidavit for her as her father, which I assume you're saying was a separate affidavit, not just that you signed the application. Okay. Totally, totally separate process from mine. She did her own, but I sent the affidavit because she was not of age to do so legally as a minor. She was 16 at the time. Yes. See, my son so had turned 18 when we did his. Right. So you have no jurisdiction, so to speak, in that respect. He's free and able. But I'm just pointing out that she did get it with little interference with the only thing being her birth certificate sent in with it. And... uh it came back with less trouble than mine, <laughs> ironically. So, yeah. uh, can I add something? Go ahead, Gary. The, uh, I'm at it. Well, they still recognize the family Bible. So, if you have a family Bible, <clears throat> right? I your do name. have. I do and, have family Bible record. Good. Well, that uh, that'll suffice right there in court, too. By the way, Brian. Yes, they do well, recognize. I have I have a bunch of things that I that I can put together. I mean, I have there's an actual uh, published genealogy of my family that he's listed in with an international ISBN number on it. Hmm. Okay. I have a family Bible record. I have 
photographs. I have dental records that are over five years old, et cetera, et cetera. What I was thinking about doing is just writing an affidavit, attaching his photograph, putting his signature on it, because they want a state-issued ID with a photograph and his signature. So I thought about doing an affidavit where he says the attached photograph is true and correct uh, photo of myself. The signature is true and correct. I was born here. I was I was lived here. I live here. I'm thinking use the word inhabit, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and then have that not just when he does the affidavit there's a lady who is a notary public in ohio that has known him all his life when i when i ran into issues on my passport i did an affidavit and in the affidavit where she notarized it she put in her jurat that uh i was personally known to her okay well my understanding she's a witness for the state and then what i did is i took it to the clerk of the court and I had the notary authenticated where they put a flag on it that, and sent it in, and then my passport came. Um, you may want to still try and press the envelope there in Ohio with the DMV and see if you can get them to issue him a state-issued ID, just to see, you know. See, that's the yeah. way I got around this because the guy, when I first applied for mine, I didn't have one of those. Mm-hmm. And they say in the instructions, if you don't have a issued picture ID, you can bring somebody with you that did. And I brought this girl that I'd known for a couple of years. And that's when the guy said, brought down his, his uh, updated regulations and went through them and said, it says right here I can make you go get one, and I'm going to make you go get one. And it was her suggestion. Mm-hmm. She said, I just got my kids. I IDs them in the state the other a couple of weeks ago. Let's go get one of those. Bam, just like a snap. I like hey, Roger, that. I, I, I vote for that idea, Roger. Yeah, and the see, idea I've heard. And, and, and we'll press the envelope and get to see if there's any problems. I think the only restriction is if you've got a state-issued driver's license, they won't issue you a state-issued ID. But I'd love to see you try that, Brian. Dave, go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I've got a friend. I don't know all the details, but he ha- he made his own ID. And the and he went to the Secretary of State, and they put an apostille on it. Yeah, apostille. I don't know if he had his own or theirs, but they it's it's lawful and legal, and he uses it. Um, well, so there's there's information out there about apostilles and your own yeah. identification card. Look it up. Yeah, I I read that stuff years ago. And essentially, the idea of having the uh, notary sign it. And then having that uh, verified, they put what they call a flag on the instrument. That's one step shy of doing an apostille. Okay, and uh, don't forget, you can also do your own poor man's notary with two witnesses. Same thing. Well, well that's the other thing I wanted to do is I, I, want, I intended to have uh, two other ladies that work there that have known him also witness it. And in there, where they sign, put that he's personally known to them, and right. they witness the execution of the affidavit. Right, that'd be another good approach. So, you know, we came up on here. We were talking about notaries witnessing the process, and somebody said notaries can't notarize for themselves. And I thought, well, then the two witnesses may be a, a way around that. 
Yeah. Okay. We're about to run out of time, Brian, here. And uh, I would encourage you to call back in and please join us again. when We've got a little bit more time to discuss. As you can tell, a lot of these things get very, very involved. Okay. And, uh, and we want to make sure that you, uh, uh, and complex and complicated, we want to make sure you've got enough information where you can move ahead comfortably. Okay. So I invite you to uh, join us tomorrow or any other day and maybe pipe in a little bit quicker where we've got a little more time of the program because we're about to run out of that today. Okay. Roger, real quick. Okay, Dave, better be quick. Yep, I'm pretty sure my wife and I got our, we did the Copper Moonshine Bills passport back in 2018 and our children, and I'm almost positive we did not put a, we put all zeros for the Social Security card, and we got it in 2018. Yes, well, that law wasn't in effect back then. That only went into effect a couple of years ago, okay? So that's the the difference. But we we, we did apply for the renewal. Um, and my wife kind of did it different and wanted them to correct it instead of renew it. And they sent us, they, and it, we sent it in on November 12th, and we just got it back, uh, got a letter from them, both of us, on Friday, last Friday. And it said if we want to renew, we got to send in our 30 bucks and our, and our, uh, our pictures. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That's a but they kept everything else. <laughs> That's good. If we if we didn't send back that stuff within ninety days, they would return our citizenship evidence. There you go. And there's that phrase. A nice little phrase, isn't it? Um, okay, hey, Roger. Yeah. Well, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I just wanted to ask you one quick question about. Um, do you know any court cases uh, related to the Supreme Court uh, um, around filing taxes? Oh, my Lord, there's all kinds of cases up there about taxation, but you can't give us a minute left to go over it. Okay. U.S. versus Cheek may be one of them, and that deals around willfulness. Okay, if you're not the willfulness defense, they don't. not too many people use that anymore. He was an airline pilot out of Chicago that beat him on that. Okay, willful because they charge you with willful failure to file, and he said uh-huh. I was I was acting on my knowledge of this other stuff. It wasn't willful that I filed. I had a basis that I didn't file, and the Supreme Court found in his favor in that one. Okay, okay. so I just, posted, it's, I just posted on the chat a court case with the Supreme Court addressing that issue. Okay, is that Mike? Thank you. Hey, Mike, uh, you need There's to send me. You need to send me an email because Chuck, want you wanted something from him, and I don't have your email. I couldn't put him in touch with you. Jim Ram, you're there, right? Yes, sir, I am. I figured you were, and it's about time to turn it over to you. In fact, it's probably past time, and we are off the server, so I'm going to let you do 